Once was a land of woe and strife Where the people were bereft of hope They prayed to their gods of might and light To deliver the heroes of old Instead they got Heroes, did you hear the quotes in my voice of moral ambiguity? They may help or may not help you at all, depends on what's in it for them. They kick and they punch and they maul and they smash, they lie and they scheme and they burn and they slash. Succeed or fail, it adds to the tale, dungeons and debacles starts now. Hello and welcome to this episode of the Dungeons and Debacles podcast. I am your host and Dungeon Master, Kevin. Going around the table, Oliver. Hey, I've been gone for like three weeks. That's pretty cool. Yeah, welcome back. I tried my best to kill you and it just didn't work out. (laughs) You could say I die from internal bleeding. (laughs) Or disease or something. Yeah, like, oh, I just catch syphilis after I, like, fight a dragon. (laughs) Yeah, that trikes out uh, dragon herpes. John. Play a Lunadas, Elven Monk. He punched a dragon almost to death. And Shane. That is I am playing Alexander, the human bard wizard. And Blake. I'm Blake, and I'll be playing Juliet, the eldritch knight slash wizard dragonborn. And Hannah. I'm Hannah, and I'll be playing Talia, the human rogue. And I just wanted to thank everybody for sticking around with us for a year. By the time this podcast comes out, this will be our 52nd. And when you do the math, that's a year. So thanks for sticking around with us for this long. And I guess this next episode after this will start season two. I think they should leave. Leave now. All right. That's getting cut. So the last time on Dungeons and Debacles podcast, um, Adel discovered a lovely hole in the sand uh, that he fell into. Sorry you weren't around for that, Oliver. Um, When you got down there, you started to find gold and silver and gems and gather them up. Um, You also found a mysterious corpse that was super spooky that had somehow, uh, it had been down there so long that it had fossilized into a wall. Um, You found some items on that corpse that... um, you don't know what they are, and they had some strange writing on them that was super spooky. And you were not, uh, it was spooky because you were not able to decipher the language. Oh, let's um, put it on. Uh, around that time, um, the back wall started to shift, and you noticed two uh, blue nostrils sticking out of the wall. And then there was this rush of air as this mm. young blue dragon uh, erupted from the wall and tried to reason with you and it was trying to convince you that fighting it was a bad idea and you should just let it eat you Uh, what an asshole yeah everyone in the party decided that wasn't such a great idea and you proceeded to fight this uh dragon it was a young blue dragon i did it single-handedly right uh no you were actually a feared most of the time and uh, towards the beginning of the battle you were going to run away Um, but you were able to defeat that dragon and in the aftermath of that now I guess everybody is down in this hole and uh, 
You had just uh, taken some components from this dragon. You had skinned it to take its scales, uh, removed its eyes, its uh, teeth, its heart, everything, and including some meat. Mmm, dragon meat. Yeah. It's for kings, dude. Yeah, it's it's not a meal for peasants. Nah. We're gonna be eating like kings. So, uh, that is where you find yourselves now. You're down in this hole in the aftermath of this battle. So, uh, you guys are down in this hole. Uh, you've just, uh, basically filled dress this, uh, dragon. So, what are you doing now? I'm gonna make a cape out of its skin. Uh, okay. Um, you are. Well, we already took now? off its, uh, you and what I don't know that the cape out of its skin would be. I have I am proficient in artisan tools, so I think I could go away with making a cape, right? Uh, you could, but uh, probably. I mean, do you want to spend time doing this now while you're down in this hole? Yeah, I think I can get better light upstairs. Also, it would take a little while to cure the leather. Nah, just a couple days. Uh, but yeah, is there any kind of like thing? to like grab onto like roots maybe possibly um there's actually a rope that extends down into the hole that uh everybody climbed down with all right i guess i'll climb up that rope i assume that would be an athletics check possibly um since you're out of combat i'm not going to make you roll athletics on this you'll be able to to get enough purchase to uh get up there nope yeah let's get out of the hole do a nice long rest and Continue on our way to Mount Smolder. All right, so we'll say everybody gets out of the hole, and you're up top now. Uh, the battle itself probably only took about um, like 10, 15 minutes to get through, so it's still about midday at this point. It's a very long battle, let's be honest. Eh, I made it out of that hole. I'm going to cast Leo on hands on myself. Okay. I'm uh, pretty sure you already used that up on Jewel. Of course I did. Not just on me, but most of me. Why would I use it on you? Because I'm the only one who helped you. But, just oh, kidding, my, the, rest of the party is the one who helped you. Yeah, my mistake, I was playing your character and, uh, you know, that's How, what healers you help do. the party? What the fuck? <laughs> so I'm gonna say that we should probably continue on and find a place to camp that's not next to a hole that's probably going to collapse. That's a fantastic idea. Alright, so you could probably travel about a, a quarter mile or so away and, you know, it's far enough uh, away from the uh, entrance of this place that uh, it wouldn't collapse. Uh, I'm going to use my channel divinity to start a fire. Alright, what, what are you using for wood? Uh, uh, the corpses. Give me that dragon meat! <laughs> oh, yeah. We're going to eat like kings today, you know what fire? We don't. We don't have anything to burn, or at least we haven't I've got presented any fire. Anything. We can use my sword, dog. No, no, no. Having fire is different from having a source of fuel for the fire. Give me all your torches. We'll use those. Okay, let's really move good on. Idea. Fine. I want dragon meat, dog. So, if you want to start a fire, we'll say that you'll, you're able to find uh, enough scrub um, growing out around here to, to start a small one. Give me some dragon meat. So, uh, you cooking uh, some of the dragon meat? Yeah. Okay. 
after it's finished cooking, you taste it, and it's very tough and gristly. Mmm. Like gum meat. <laughs> yeah, gum meat. I was wrong. It's not better than rat. Ah. <laughs> uh, why have you eaten? Why have you been eating rat, you weirdo? He was an orphan, dude. Yeah, and don't bash it until you've tried it. I'm a character's yeah, class. that's racist against dwarfs. What? <laughs> All right. Uh, I guess I'll just roll up my bedroll and go to sleep. Same. Sleep sounds good. Then the dust will take first watch. All right. So, um, is everybody taking a long rest at this point? Yeah. Yep. Yep. A is uh, taking first watch. And uh, give me a perception check. 18. Probably about after an hour after everybody's uh, lays down. Over towards the northeast, um, you are going to see what appears to be some figures in the far distance cresting a hill. But they're kind of hard to make out to know if it's people or animals um, because of uh, the heat mirage and it currently appears that if you had to guess they're probably maybe two or three miles away and And Kalen will keep his eyes on them only if they head in our direction will he do anything in particular about it yeah they don't appear to be moving towards uh, you they appear to be moving east so Alunidas prudently does nothing and the uh, the rest of your watch is uneventful. I'm good at this job. As is uh, anyone else who would be taking a watch during this time, um, your watch would be uneventful too. Um, you would think probably because there's a uh, blue dragon in this area and uh, anything worth eating has probably already been ate around its there lair. There was a blue dragon. Yeah, but it'll probably take a while for the wildlife uh, to recover. No, no, I was just bragging. That's all. <laughs> so, uh, after your long rest, it's probably going to be about uh, 8 o'clock at night. Do you want to uh, continue hanging out here, or do you want to try to travel at night? Let's just keep on trudging. Um, what's the level of moonlight? Is it just, like, reasonably visible? Uh, it's about a, a half moon at this point, but considering the land is uh, sand and flat, it's very reflective. So even though it's a half moon, basically the landscape is uh, lit up pretty well. Okay. Yeah, let's just keep on going. Dragon schmagging. <laughs> you keep on traveling. Um, into the next day, you're still traveling towards Asheville, uh, which is the capital of uh, Ashland that's uh, near Mount Smolder. Um, as the sun comes up, you can see that you're still at least 50 miles away by your estimation, but uh, now you can see the snow-covered peak in the distance on top of the volcano. And as you get closer to the land, it's becoming more hard pack instead of sand. You also begin to see more vegetation and some stunted grasses and even birds in the distance. 
So you're going to travel uh, probably t uh, two more days, and uh, you're getting closer and closer, and the uh, volcano is getting bigger and bigger in the distance. Um, somebody give me, a, or anybody can give me a history check. I'm a very knowledgeable guy, you know. I love that the bookworm and the orphan both know the same amount of stuff on this one. I heard things, you know. <laughs> yeah, we were reading bedtime stories and Mount uh, Doom and over there was part of it. Exactly. Yeah, and you makes sense. You've had a lot of time in the desert too, and you know Juliet could have been telling um, Talia what she knows about where they're going and uh, reading from some of the books uh, about the saviors as uh, Talia is like looking through the books and trying to read and sound it out Juliet and uh, Talia would know from their readings that uh, this land was once devastated about 500 years ago in a great cataclysm after Mount Smolder erupted thousands were killed by the shock of the explosion and thousands more by the hot ash that fell like snow for weeks the explosion could be felt hundreds of miles away and heard from the other side of the world. But in its wake, a great agricultural empire was founded, brought on by the rich minerals that were laid down by the ash as well as obsidian, which is a major export um, that the country is known for. So as you travel further, you're beginning to see farm settlements and after a while, a dirt road. The land is becoming greener and you can see trees and crops you pass farms and see people working in the fields. They pay little attention to you, with an occasional farm boy looking up to give you a glance before going back to milking a cow or plowing a field. And uh, after a while, um, you're getting closer um, to Asheville and you start to smell water about a mile out from your destination. And uh, you're beginning to reach the outskirts of a city that is on directly on the south side of Asheville on the other side of the Black River. Juliet and Talia would know that uh, this is a, a fairly wide river that cuts through this continent that's called the Black River because of its color. There's many tributaries and streams that flow out of Ashland and carry dark soil and ash that turn the river into a charcoal cover in this part of the, uh, the largest part of the river here near uh, South Bend. As you near the city, the sun is beginning to set and you see some large poles in the distance that appear to have something hanging from them. You also see blackbirds swarming them. Uh, everybody give me a perception check. Okay. This is always a, a good sign. Blackbirds are always a good sign. 18. Passive of 13. Okay, at this distance, uh, Alunidas, you would be able to see that it appears to be um, these poles that are probably about uh, 15 feet off the ground. And uh, from these poles are suspended these narrow uh, cylindrical cages. And it appears to be people inside. Look, gibbets. They probably don't have anything worth stealing. I mean, they've got crops. Those are pretty valuable. Um, you probably wouldn't think that these were farmers in these. <laughs> you didn't grow enough corn to the gibbet with you. Exactly. So, uh, are you continuing down this road? Sure. 
Maybe we should be a little more careful. Why? Because we don't put know what's on in there. armor, get your weapons out. I, no, 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 I don't mean on. get ready to fight. I mean figure out what's going on before we get there and suddenly we're overrun by whomever decides to attack us. And the I reason don't we don't want to use weapons is because we're not attacking the town. That would just be stupid. So maybe we should wander over and see if their crimes are listed near their corpses. Yeah, you would know that this is, I want to say, uh, a common punishment, but uh, definitely a capital punishment um, for some cities where if you had a criminal that was convicted of murder or something egregious like treason, that uh, they would be put out here to die from exposure in these cages. Well, it's considered treasonous here, though. Well, I mean, that's up to the king, right? Exactly. I mean, usually treason's pretty straightforward. Eh, you'd be surprised. Well, I mean, treason's basically whatever they say it is. Exactly. Yeah. It's not like a lot of these things are codified. Elections have consequences. <laughs> So, uh, as you get closer, as you travel down this road, uh, everybody's going to be able to see now at this point that there's people inside these uh, cages. Um, you're still quite a ways outside of town, and by this point, uh, it's past dusk, and the sun is down on the horizon, and there's still some glow to see by, but it's, it's getting pretty dark. You can't really see the town at this point except for some lights. The road is completely empty at this hour, as most people have called it a day, and they're retiring to their homes anyway. You see about eight of these cages. They're iron and have barely enough room for a person inside, so any person in them would have to kind of stand. And hanging at the bottom of each cage is a rough wooden sign with the words written in common that simply reads, Red Talon, the Wages of Ruin Worship. Okay, this is a cause for concern. Why is that? I don't think so, personally. I think it's going to be alright. Oh. Why would they... Well, we have fewer allies here, at the very least. That's fine. We didn't really have that many to begin with. Besides, what are they going to do? Read our minds? Sure. They could, yeah. Maybe. If they have the right kind of magic. Yeah. So does uh, anyone want to take like a closer look as, at these as you ride by? Yeah, sure. Are there any specific races of people? Are they are they buried with the, or wow? Are they placed there with remains, uh, like armor and stuff, or are they stripped naked? What do you got from a DM? Inside the cages are both men and women. Uh, they appear to be human, elf, half elf, and a dwarf. They are naked and look to have died recently from exposure or thirst. They're sunburned and gaunt, and the crows have began feasting on some of them. They also, as you look closer, they all seem to have a recently angry red-branded downward talon burned into their chest, probably from a hot iron. And if the exposure or thirst didn't kill them, the infection from that brand probably would eventually. 
I don't know what to... Uh, taking in the, uh, what this means. I wonder how they got caught. Well, or there's only one way to find out, right? Oh, if we want to go... In, well, no, we could go into town and express curiosity about these, yes. Um, I guess. You know, I'm not a big fan of going to towns surrounded by people dead in traps. I'm down. No, I, I have an idea. So how about me stay out here and watch our stuff while you guys go in there and figure it out? Sure. Yeah, you're the one with the high charisma. You should definitely go in the town. You know, I don't I don't think words are going to work against uh, these cages, you know? They could keep you out of the cage. Listen, the pen is mightier than the sword, except when you're hitting somebody with it. So Adel's going out of town. Yeah, I'll, I'll go to the town. I'll give a fuck. I think all of us should go into the town. I technically don't have a soul, so that's fun. So, uh, what, what does what are the implications there of if you don't have a soul that doesn't make you like immune to dying? Yeah, I know, but like, <laughs> there's not much that's gonna happen to me other than I die okay, eventually. Yeah, when the worst they can do to you is everything. I mean, what's the least yeah. they can do to you? Exactly. The least they can do to you is everything. Therefore, eh. well, got my fucking your... contract branded on my arm, dog. Oh, you guys have brandings on your arms. Is that is that what I'm hearing? Uh, I do. You might want to somehow disguise that. I mean, like the sleeves. Yeah, I've been like in full fucking armor the whole time, so. <laughs> Except when I sleep. Well, we can worry about it tomorrow morning when we make our way to the city or town. Yeah. But we should go a little ways away from the rotting corpses. That's probably a good idea. Yep. Alright, so are you moving towards the town or which way are you moving? Because right now you're, you're pretty close to the cages, right? Um. Probably away from the town, like ten, fifteen minutes. Okay. So, uh, as you begin to move away from the cages, um, everybody, give me a perception check. Uh, Twelve. Eleven. Technically a ten. Passive of sixteen. All right. So with a passive of sixteen. You're going to hear a cough come uh, from one of these cages. Oh, God. Did you hear that? Somebody's, one of them's still alive. And uh, you're going to hear this very weak female voice say, Mercy, water, mercy, please water. They won't see you just a little water, please. I throw over my canteen. What is wrong with you? Why did you do that? What the fuck do you mean? Fuck you guys. Maybe she'll give me money now. But she's uh, she's naked in a cage. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, Maybe she's probably like... for treason. And yeah. now because we gave her water, we're probably gonna be caught for treason. No, nah, we'll be good. Be caught for treason. Well, tell me how to live my fucking life and do what I want. I did it. Yes, you know the uh, the demon uh, contracting man is very merciful. You know. Yeah, I can make a contract with this person. Are you kidding me? They're on their fucking deathbed. That's true. It's gonna be like the perfect time. It's literally like, I want to be not fucking like in prison right now. <laughs> Whatever, we can talk to her and ask her questions. 
Mm-hmm. And I can make her sign a contract, damning her to hell. So Adel throws the water skin uh, into this cage to this uh, skinny, naked, half-elven woman. It, like, hits the inside of the cage, and she does this. She can't, like, squat down to get it, but she's able to, like, bend down enough in inside of this cage that's compressing her on all sides to be able to get a hold of the water skin and pull it up. And then she opens it and just starts chugging. <laughs> I tell her I can get her out of here. She says, please, please, release release me. Just sign this piece of paper and you'll be out of here. Oh, what? Yeah. What is it? It's a contract. A, con- a contract for what? For pretty much, it'll be fulfilled pretty much when, when you get done. But you'll be completely out of here, risk free. You'll you'll have food, and if you want, I can give you some money. Just sign this piece of paper there, and everything will be just fine. And she says, "Wait, I know you." All right, good, good. A, a mull and an elf, and a dragonborn woman, and a human man, and a little girl. I was told to look out for you. I know who you are. What you are. Set me free and I can help you, please. Alright, just sign this contract and we can let you go. I'm not signing a contract with you, Hellsworn. Why not? (laughs) Because my soul belongs to Ruin Axis. Uh, well, it's gonna be ruined if you don't. Well, that's good enough for me. We should open up the cage and let her out. Nah. Agreed. Let this bitch die. Two votes. Let her die. I'll let her go. You bitch. I have to pick a lock. It's not just going to swing open for us, right? Uh, you could pick it or bash it. I'll bash it. Okay. Uh, athletics, right? Uh, no, that would be a, uh, an attack roll if you're using your bone breaker adamantine sword. I'm gonna use my bone breaker sword that deals double damage to constructions. That's uh, unnatural twenty. Um, yeah, so you just break this lock in half on the outside of this cage uh, with your sword, and also um, break two of the metal straps that are part of the cage. All right, fine. It comes open and she pushes her uh, her way through and she falls to the ground and lies there for a moment um, before trying to stand. And she sits up and tries to cover her naked body as best she can with her hands looking somewhat embarrassed. Aludidas gives her the dragon hide. Don't worry, it'll only temporary. So you're going to give her this slimy, fuck, bloody <laughs> hide to wrap herself up in? In a day, it's dried off. Okay, I'll just throw her in a bag. So she, uh, you go to hand her this, and she looks at you and says, "Do you have something else I can cover myself with? Um, no, may, a blanket? Um, no, nope. be anything that's not so." I'll I'll go ahead and pull a blanket out of my saddlebag and hand it to her. She says, "Thank you," and she she wraps herself up. And uh, she takes the water skin and, and keeps drinking. 
Let's maybe get her on the cart and get her away from here. Try to cover our tracks a bit. Then we can all eat, drink, and rest. She says, yes, that's a good idea. We need to get off the road. I could take you to our outpost and introduce you to the prophet. He'll be most interested in meeting you. I'm sure he'll help you however he can. My name is Rolana, and I'm in your debt. My life is yours, dark companions. Has, has your outpost been discovered? We should be careful about this. Not, not that I know of. I've only been out of here about three days. I, I don't know what they know at this point. I know none of us broke when they were interrogating us. All right. Um, maybe we in the cart can start heading in that direction, and the others can scout ahead just to be safe. She says it's it's a couple of miles from here. It's towards the southeast. It's grassland, and it's mostly flat. We may be able to see it in the moonlight as we get closer. That way we can see if I don't if anything's on fire or if the, the camp's surrounded. But as I said, I, I don't think they've been discovered. So, that's at the road. Yes, companions? If we must. She is going to lead you uh, to the southeast, about four miles from South Bend. Uh, it's grassland here, and it's mostly flat with some rolling hills. And um, you can hear insects now, uh, crickets, and even some frogs, uh, which is almost deafening after spending so much time in the uh, silence of the desert. And after about an hour and a half, you come to a small settlement of about a half dozen crude wood structures and huts up against a small hill. And you can see cook fires burning in the distance and shadows moving around them, probably tending to the evening meal. Raylana is going to um, motion to you to stop for a moment. She looks around and she says, uh, I don't see anything to you. Everything appears to be normal. It does. Uh, let's maybe... Is, is the landscape like perfectly flat? Is it rolling terrain? What are we talking about? It's probably by rolling, maybe like elevations of only like two or three feet or so. And then there's a couple of hills. But uh, currently right now, um, there's not really obstructions between you and the camp. But you see the camp is uh, up against this hill. So you can't see behind the hill. The hill itself is probably about maybe 20 or 20 feet, uh, 20 or 25 feet tall. Okay. Tali, would you like to uh, go take a look around, see if they look like uh, our sort of people or people who want to keep a mother locked away for a bit? Sure. Um, I will pull up my hood and kind of sneak into some shadows. Okay. Uh, give me a stealth check. All right. 16. So, um, how far away are you going outside the camp? Um, probably going to stay outside of any, uh, light. So like a couple feet beyond where, where the light from the, the villages and any, um, torches or fires or anything like that is visible. Okay, so we'll say you get about 100 feet outside of this camp. Are you, like, going up to one spot and looking around, or are you 
like making your way around the camp? I'm going to um, try to circle the camp, but give it a wide berth. Okay. So uh, as you circle the camp, um, you're going to come across three sentries um, that are out here. So uh, none of the three sentries are going to spot you, uh, but give me a perception check. Okay, so you're going to be able to get like close enough to one of them to get a good look. Uh, it's dark out here, but it's still a half moon, so you are getting some light. And from the looks at uh, this person, um, they're dressed in like hide and carrying a spear. And you don't think this is probably someone who would be some sort of a uh, investigator or town guard coming out here to uh, attack these people. You think that uh, if that was the case, they'd be uh, much heavily, uh, more heavily armed and in greater numbers. Okay. I'm going to try to make my way back to the group to... Uh relay this information. Okay, give me another stealth check. So as you're walking um, back through there, um, you're going to snap, uh, step on a pretty thick twig, and it's going to snap, and uh, you're going to freeze and crouch low and look back towards the, the sentry closest to you, and you're going to see them move and turn towards your direction stare towards your direction for a long moment I'm going to stay perfectly still okay so you are going to stand there um, or for probably five minutes or so person is not making any move towards you but is uh, still looking in your direction as far as you can tell how, how close am I to them uh, at this point, you're probably maybe 100, 100 150 feet uh, away from this closest sentry. Okay. I am... I am going to cast Fog Cloud, but I'm going to cast it 120 feet in the opposite direction of where I'm trying to go. So, like, if I... If you look at me and the sentry in a line, it's going to be like behind me and to and towards the back so that they would turn it would be, make like a triangle. Does that make sense? I'm not making sense. Draw it out in relation on the board because I'm not quite understanding you. So the fog would be between you and the sentry? No, no. Okay, so here's the sentry. I've made a little squiggle and we're going to pretend like this is 150 feet. Th this is me. And I'm going to do it like back here. At, uh, the range on it is 120 feet, so I'll do it at max range. Okay. And I'm going to see if they see that and investigate. Okay. This sentry, you're going to see this figure turn towards this uh, fog cloud, and he is going to run towards a uh, another one of the sentries. Um. So he looks away from me. Yeah. I am going to try to sneak away and get away from from these and try to find some cover somewhere. 
At the same time, Lunadas is going to start the cart heading in, because I'm assuming we can see the fog cloud. Uh, give me... Everybody give me a perception check. Yep. Do, do I need to? No, you know you did it. <laughs> <laughs> 11. Passive of 13. Passive of 16. Uh, you 11. Got, you've got a passive of 16, Lunadas? Yep. He's yeah. got a high wisdom and a... Uh, it's one of his chosen skills. Okay, so Alunidas sees this cloud come up. And Talia let off her fog cloud. Looks like there's a bit of trouble. Come on, Buttercup. Uh, I didn't like that. <laughs> Talia, give me a perception check. I have a passive of 10. Okay, so um, you're not going to see uh, the rest of the uh, gang moving towards the camp. But uh, you can go ahead and give me a stealth check. All right, so you're going to start um, moving uh, back towards uh, where uh, the gang was, or were you moving somewhere else? Um, I'm I'm going to move in that direction, but also look for cover somewhere. Okay, you're able to, you know, see a couple of uh, bushes and, and rocks. You could probably take cover behind. I will, I will go there. Okay. Well, you make it there and you don't think anybody's seen you. Cool. So uh, we'll cut to the rest of the group. You're moving into camp and uh, you can see these uh, figures. There appears to be three of them uh, moving towards the what appears to be the entrance to this camp. It looks like they're just standing there at the entrance waiting for you. I say we approach. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, alright. We roll on up. So, um, you're rolling up to the camp, and uh, it doesn't appear that these figures are moving. They're standing out in front of the entrance. And uh, at this point, you're getting a better look inside the camp. There's probably maybe a dozen cook fires inside of it. There's a bunch of huts, and looks like there's some uh, crudely built... Uh, like shacks inside of it that people are using for shelter and at this point um, you can see like women and children running to the uh, these shacks and tents for cover and as you uh, try to enter the camp there's uh, three human men that are standing there and uh, motions for you to halt as you try to enter uh, they have spears drawn and a not-so-welcoming disposition. One of the men is a tall, sturdy-looking human dressed in hides and says, Halt and speak your business, strangers. Nanya. That's... Your servants of ruin. Shut up. No, we're not. (laughs) Uh, you saying that in character? Yes. Yes. (laughs) And uh, the man looks strangely at you. And says, I don't know what you're talking about. Why bring ruin on our doorstep, stranger? Because we were led here by one of your companions. And at that point, uh, Rialana, uh, who had, who's kind of like dozed off, uh, wakes up and sees the situation. And she stands up and she's very unsteady in the cart. And she says, I would think I would need no introduction, my love. And then the man drops his spear and rushes to the woman, and they embrace and kiss each other firmly. And uh, 
you're all just standing there watching this and get a tat <laughs> yeah it's getting a little awkward are they doing that like naked oh she's got the bl- blanket still wrapped around her <laughs> I don't know man and uh, after a long moment he releases her and says I don't know who you are travelers but you've returned my heart to me I'm Turin and I owe you whatever you wish you're welcome here and have my spear and then Rilan is going to say my love these are the dark companions the one the prophet told us to expect and receive I was captured and put in a cage to waste and die and they freed me and brought me here Turin says they will be much honored and must meet the prophet come and sit by our fire you are welcome here I will tell the prophet of your arrival and then uh, he's going to lead you into this camp where now many people have started, you know, they've poked their heads outside and seen that, you know, there's not going to be a fight and see you wandering in. They've started to gather around this large central fire in this encampment. You look around and you can see that they're poorly dressed and most look underfed and dirty. They're dressed in animal skins and appear to be have living off the land out here. Rilana has moved into the camp and is talking with a crowd of about 50 people who have gathered and who are embracing her. Let's go ahead and share our dragon with these fine folk. What do you say? Yeah. Uh, Lunandas is going to uh, take care of Buttercup first and then go over to one of the fires and start preparing a fine meal. I hand my... I just leave my horse. My horse. Stay there. Charcoal deserves better. Or chimney. Whatever. I don't fucking remember. It's just a horse. So, uh, Turin walks over to Lunados and says, Stay here for now by the fire. And then he is, uh, he's going to turn around and walk a short distance away and disappears into this small rough-looking wooden shack uh, near one of the low-lying hills. And after a few minutes inside, he uh, comes out and walks back up to Lunados and says, Take your rest as long as you need for now. The Prophet would speak with you whenever you're ready. And he points back to the shack uh, where he just came from. Thank you. You're very interested in meeting your Prophet. So uh, at this point, um, some like uh, little kids are going to like start walking up to you and you know staying away probably about 10 or 15 feet but they're all like staring at you and you've noticed there's kind of a crowd that's gathered around you and uh Rilana says uh i told them what you did for me you have the thanks of our camp and we're all very honored to have you here dark companions am, am i still in bushes at this point give me a, a perception check yeah, you're still out in the bushes, and uh, you're looking around for your group, and you're not seeing them. Outstanding. <laughs> okay. At this point, I suppose we should ask about Talia. <laughs> Have any of you seen uh, one of our other companions? We sent her to investigate to make sure your camp had been discovered by the same people who took Relana. A large uh, human carrying a spear is going to say, I haven't seen any little girl. But we did see something strange out there. Fog came from nowhere outside the camp. Ah, that would be Talia. She has a bit of skill with magic, thanks to uh, the protector over there, Juliet. 
How so am I, I suppose find we her? should go make sure she uh, knows we're here. <laughs> I suppose so. Would you like to go get her, Juliet, or I could? You know, I'll go get her. You stay here, do whatever it is you do. Cooking up a fine dragon meat stew. I feel like if we slow roast it, it'll become a lot more tender. Yeah, you gotta braise that shit for hours. Yeah, exactly. You gotta treat that shit like a roast. Yeah, so, Juliet's gonna go outside and bring Abbott with uh, her as well. Make it much easier to find our dear lost Talia. Alright, so um, your training's been going okay, I guess, with the uh, the puppy and... You know, over the, the past two weeks or so, since it's being really well fed by you guys, it's uh, it's getting larger. Juliet, you want to give me uh, animal handling to see if Abbott can lead you towards uh, Talia? Ready for this natural one. Oh, 18. Wow. All right. So um, you're coaxing Abbott along. You're like, Abbott, Abbott, go find Talia. Go find Talia. And it looks at you for, for a moment and, like, starts getting really excited and does that things where dogs like jump up and down on like their front front paws and gets really excited and then it's going to uh start running in an area outside of camp and it's it'll stop periodically and start smelling around tell you give me a perception check 18 so um you're gonna hear abbott uh, much before you see abbott and at this point, Abbott's about uh, 50 yards away from you, and he's smelling the wind. And is Abbott a boy or a girl? Abbott is a boy. Okay. So, yeah, he's got his uh, his nose up in the air and uh, smelling around and walking towards you, because you are uh, upwind of him. Um, I'm going to see him and and come out of my uh, my hiding place and take my hood down and, and say, Abbott! What are you doing out here? Abbott's going to bark three times and take off running toward you. Juliet, you're going to be able to hear that. And at this point, uh, when Talia raises up above the rocks and takes her hood down, uh, you're going to be able to see her. Juliet's going to give her a wave. and Talia, Talia. Uh, I I look at Juliet and, and kneel down so that I can, so that Abbott can run to me, but not like knock me over. Um, you know, ruffle his fur and tell him he's a good boy, and, and I'm going to walk towards Juliet. Hey, glad to see you made it okay. Turns out uh, everything is fine here. These are people who are associated with us. I, I kind of figured Abbott couldn't get out on his own. Well, you know, it's not like he's going to save anyone from a well, but... Hey, listen! <laughs> Editor's note. To find out why this reference is funny, please listen to the outtakes at the end of the episode. I guess the rest of the group's hanging out here by this fire as uh, Elunidas is working on his uh, dragon meat stew. And roasted vegetables. So uh, as uh, Talia and Juliet walk it back into the camp, uh, you're going to see uh, some people in the camp turn to look at you and nod in approval, and some of them cover their hearts and smile. Are they more enchanted by Talia or by Abbott? Uh, probably Abbott. Hold on, let me roll perception. Or nature, whatever. Yeah, um, you're going to notice that you don't see any dogs in the camp. Um, <laughs> I bring Abbott a little bit closer to me. Um, it might not be a bad idea. And uh, as you're looking around, the only animals really that you see are um, 
some uh, donkeys and a cow. And you're thinking that cows probably probably not enough to make any sort of milk for the amount of people that are here. This is a shocking state of affairs. Followers of ruin should not be left in such deplorable conditions. Preach. No, no, I wouldn't want to you know, steal the prophet's thunder. Obviously, he's in charge here and does all the preaching. Well, no, no, he's the prophet, but you, you are the chosen one. Play it up, man. I am just a humble follower of ruin with a cart and a horse. <laughs> Taking you're going to rest and, and hang out for a bit? Yep. And at some point meet with this prophet character. So let's say uh, after about, you know, 30 or 40 minutes, uh, you've warmed up some dragon meat. Uh, warmed up? A lunar dies healed in cookery. Right, are you going to take like three hours to really work on this stew before you go meeting with the prophet? I mean, you can, I guess. Well, no, but it's not just warming up. There's an art to this. It's <sighs> Philistine. <laughs> I don't know that much about cooking. So I'd be in really. <laughs> uh, and about this point, you know, there's people that are gathered around your cook fire and smelling this stuff in the in this pot, looking at it pretty hungrily. None of there you, uh, none of them, have friends. asked for any. There will be enough for all, friends. He stirs and drops in some rosemary and thyme, parsley and sage. Maybe there's a reason they're not asking for any. <laughs> All right, he gets the food edible, and then we go to meet with the prophet. All right, is everybody walking up to the shack? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, as you approach, you can see uh, Turin and Rylan are up near the shack, and they're seated, sitting pretty close together, and they've almost got like their heads touching, and it seems like uh, they're deep in conversation uh, when they see you approach. Turin's going to pop up. And uh, says uh, he's waiting for you inside. Thank you, friend. Please go back to whatever you were doing. We don't want to, we don't want to interrupt. So um, you are going to um, pull back this blanket that serves as a door to the shack. And as you enter, you're going to see a few small oil lamps lighting the interior. There's a large animal skin rug on the floor and a cot at the back. But uh, what's going to get you is the smell in here. Apparently, this blanket's been closed for a while, and any smells that were in here have been lingering. And it's a mixture of rotting meat and old sweat and urine and uh, kind of that old person's, like, nursing home smell. Smells like shit in here, I say immediately. Luna does. Struggles to breathe and sort of nudges Adel. Shh. <laughs> it does. Yes, but... So, sitting on the floor in front of you is an elderly uh, human dressed in a dirty brown tattered robe, uh, waving you in and smiling with a toothless grin. And he says, I don't really smell anything. It's probably because you got so much shit up your nose. I can't really smell like I used to, but I don't have shit in it, son. Sure you do. 
and, in any event. <laughs> and in uh, front of him, there's a two-foot circle scraped into the dirt floor, and you see animal bones scattered uh, within this circle. And uh, he's going to say, Show the dark companions are funny here. In a day late by my estimation, but I saw that youngling blue dragon Yarakash have you up a bit. A dandy one that one is for his age, but I guess he isn't getting any older now. <laughs> Nothing like his mother. She was a majestic beast before she was slain by the little companions, but that's neither here nor there. And that youngin's daughter has ended. The old man spits on the floor in finality. I saw you had a far check about it. The desert's a rough place even for those who were born to it. I hope you can rest here among us until you have moved to the Broombreaker camp. Yes, I see that too. Tell me about your fight with Kasich. Only get impressions from my augury, not the details. I would hear the tale you of your badger, if you would indulge an old man. Ah, uh, our bard Zerd can definitely help you there. I recount the experience. Should I do like a performance check or? Uh, yeah, if you really want to sell it. Fourteen. All right. Uh, yeah, you do a pretty good telling. Uh, you get most of all the details right. You uh, kind of try to do like imitate Cassock's voice, but uh, it falls flat just a little bit. As you were trying to make him out to be more like of a, a comical character, or character. And he says, "Yes, yes, a great battle indeed. Would you indulge an old man, father?" Yeah. Can I see it? <laughs> believe he wants to see the amulet, yes? Well, I wasn't talking about your pecker, young buck. Uh, I don't... I don't think I have it, do I? I think Juliet does. The old man, you may view it. Juliet's going to take the amulet out from underneath her armor. So, uh, you hold it up, and, uh, the old man's eyes get wide and aw. And he says, She's a beauty, isn't she? So sparkly. Hard to believe such a trinket had the power to banish our mistress. But I wouldn't get too attached to it. <laughs> no, don't look that way. The old man motions for you to put it away. And uh, he says, I don't have any interest in it. What would I do with it? <laughs> but our black dragonborn friend has plans for it. <laughs> That's for sure. I've seen it. Sis will be coming for it soon. He knows you have it. But that's between you and him to work out. I suppose it is. Not sure how I feel about Sish. Can we trust him, do you think? <laughs> how far do you trust anyone in the Talos, boy? You, if anyone, should know better. You were born and raised in it, were you not? Hmm. True. 
you know, it's everyone for themselves. You know, except for the glory of our mistress. Some more than others. Yes, but I've seen you. I know you're hot, Mark. I strive for her every day. And Ildenudas gives a little bow. So uh, there's a pause for a moment, and uh, the prophet's going to say again, So, if I'm not mistaken, you don't have any idea what's going on around here, do you? You're just here for the Bonebreaker artifact, am I right? Yes, prophet. Do you have any idea what's going on across the river in Ashfield? Only what little we could glean from, uh, Relana? Relani? Relana? Yes, Relana. So he says, uh... And do you have any idea why she was there? No, sir. She was in very poor shape. She fell asleep almost immediately. Well, we've been stirring up trouble. Because, well, that's what we do. A little intrigue here, a little discord there. Our latest endeavor has been creating trouble between Ashfield and the half orc tribes. That was Nifron's idea. He was here about two months ago. He tells me he's familiar with you. Yes, we worked with him. Yes, of course. I must be where he knows you from. Oh, tell me. What do you know of him? Very little. He has an interesting knife, and uh, he's quite a talented thief and fighter. <laughs> he's a lot more than that, my boy. <laughs> How so? <laughs> I don't think that's for me to tell. Maybe if you cross his path again someday, you can ask him. Interesting. <laughs> yeah, I would say he's very interesting. I can tell you this, that man has a talent for chaos. After all, it was his plan to stir up trouble between Ashfell and the Half-Orcs. Well, Ashfell figured it out. The Dread Talons, and more specifically, the people you saw in those cages were attacking the city and the half-orcs and laying blame on each other's doorsteps. Little livestock slaughtered here, a random murder there, and there you have it. The city and the half-orc tribes are at war. Ashwell thinks they can lay the blame at our feet. And yes, rightfully so. But the half-orcs still believe Ashwell is attacking them. And we're trying to exploit that because, well, that's why Roanaxis wants great imbalance and so chaos. We've been laying the grad work for you to step in and take the artifact from those half orc savages up in the hills. Roanaxis has given me the gift of sight, past, present, and a little of the future, but. The future is always unclear. There's too many variables, you'll see, of what can happen with free will and all of that. I can see where your future lies. Well, at least some of it. Would you like to hear what I've seen? 
I believe so, yes. So the uh, old man's going to pick up some animal bones within the circle, and he holds them in his hand and clutches them to his chest and closes his eyes. And after a moment, he opens his eyes and throws the bones into the circle and studies them for a long moment. And there's a silence uh, before his eyes roll back into his head, and all you can see are the whites of his eyes, and he speaks. A companion is in your path. The silver dragonborn paladin named Kel. He is here, now, in Asheville. He is here to quell the unrest and broker a peace. He may or may not succeed. It is murky. I can see a path why you avoid him. I can also see a path in which you face him. Facing him will lead to disaster for our mistress's machinations. If you can learn a secret from the Savior's tribe, you may learn how to enter the Bonebreaker's tomb. I see fire there and pain, but nothing else. I cannot see what the secret is. Your success or failure is cloudy. I cannot pierce their fell with my sight. And then the old man uh, is going to shiver his shiver as his uh, eyes return to normal, and he gasps. He gathers the bones from the circle and places them in a rough burlap sack. He looks at you, scanning each of your faces, and says, "I have spoken what I can. That is all I can see. I only hope it may be some help to you." Or the mistress can take my eyes. I must rest now. The vision has made me weak. Thank you, Prophet. Guess we'll uh, gather up our things and leave him to his stench. Okay, so uh, he motions you to uh, go on, and he's going to work his way up into this cot and pull a blanket over himself. And says, uh, we may talk further in the morning. The Mr. Swilling. Okay. So, uh, as you, uh, are you leaving the, uh, shackies in? Yes, yes, I guess so. So, uh, you're thankful to, uh, get like a breath of fresh air after you leave the shackies. <sighs> Been holding my breath this whole time. <laughs> So uh, as you exit, uh, Relana and Turn are still standing there, uh, waiting for you to come out. And Relana is going to speak this time and says, "Did the Prophet have a viewing?" Yes, he mentioned a silver dragonborn. Cull, is that who caught you? No, I, I didn't see a silver dragonborn. It was mostly peacekeepers from Ashfell with some militia from South Bend. They're on a hunt for Red Talons in the area. Hunt for Red October? Hmm. Standing by. One ping. <laughs> Alright, so the peacekeepers are on the hunt for Red Talons because uh, of our spreading notoriety? No, because we've been stirring up unrest between Asheville and the Bone Breakers. They found out that the Red Talons were behind it. More specifically, me and my crew which you saw in the cages. Yes. But what of you? What did he see for you? The silver dragonborn. Ah, uh, yes. One of the companions. 
he wasn't there when we were arrested. Do any of us know anything about Cole? I mean, or the, the companions, any of them as a group or in as individuals? Because I know they're famous, but... Uh, uh, give me a history that, check. Or... Juliet, it's your time to shine. Hold on, 22, there we go. Talia and Aludidas, uh, you would know generally who the companions are. They're you know, a famous group of uh, do-gooders travel the lands of uh, Suel rotting wrongs and saving villages and doing all that Boy Scout shit. Uh, Juliet would know more specifically um, the makeup of the group. Uh, she would know that there is a silver dragonborn uh, by the name of Cull who is a paladin. She would know uh, one of the more famous members of the group is a halfling Named Orin the Investigator. There's also a um, very powerful mage. She would also know that there is a priest that works with the group. She's not quite sure the name of the priest or the mage. She also knows that there is a very famous bard named Eric Tellwright. I think that's it. Hold on, let me let me look up and see who all the members of the companions are. Because I've forgotten myself. You've invented too much lore, Kevin. I have. From what I remember from the companion uh, episode that you had, there were only five of them. And this looks to be all of them. There's actually a sixth one that you don't know about. Uh, that no one really knows about because he's not famous yet. Yes, this is true. <laughs> uh, let's see. There's uh, Orin. Uh, Joran Thresh, who is the uh, gnome wizard. Uh, Eric Tellwright, who is the human bard. The halfling Orin, the detective. And Lox, the uh, priest of court. Priestess of court. So that's what you would know about them. Alright. Cole is the paladin, yeah? Yes, he is a paladin of uh, Bahamut. So Juliet probably really dislikes that guy. It's not so much dislike as, you know, enmity. Well, Juliet being a uh, adherent of Tiamat, probably there would be no love lost between her and a follower of Bahamut. Yep. I'm not sure about the uh, the religious lore between those two, but I would think they'd be like, I hate you. No, I hate you. <laughs> yeah, there's... I'm guessing uh, tell- there's no love yeah. lost there. Yeah. Um, I'm guessing Juliet relays some of this to the group as we you know, settle down for the night. Oh yes, I'll regale you with the most boring tale possible. <laughs> uh, Relana in uh, turn is gonna, are going to follow you back to uh, your camping area. Turn's going to say, so what now? What are you going to do? Well, we need to get uh, uh, Bonebreaker's girdle, so we're going to have to go to the uh, half works. Thank you for your hard work there, by the way. We'll have to work out our plan as we get closer. Uh, could you provide us a rough sketch of the uh, uh, area around Smolder? And Turin's gonna laugh and say, I can do better than that. Oh, you a great debt. I know the area well, and I can lead you to the Bonebreaker camp, and even to Mount Sunder. It would be my great honor to guide you there. And I will not take no for an answer. Thank you, friend. 
pleased and grateful for your assistance. Rilana's going to smile and uh, hug his shoulders, and you can just tell that she's just so proud of Turin. I guess we passed Turin's test, huh? <laughs> Editor's note, I just got this joke while I was editing. We brought his woman back to him, man. I mean, he'll probably do anything for you. So he says, uh, so will you be staying with us for a couple days to, to gather your strength? We may. Looks around at the uh, other dark companions. Maybe not. There are some things we need from the town. Although it is close enough to make an outing there and return, isn't it? Yes, it's it's only a couple of hours walk. Okay, yeah. Then we can stay here, yes. Maybe we can help them shore up their defenses and le- live less a less crude a life. Followers of Ruin Axis deserve better. Yeah. Says the guy with no carpentry skill or <laughs> skill at building fortifications or hunting or anything like that. Is there a bar <laughs> in this town? <laughs> no. God damn it. I mean, it's, about- it's huts and, and shacks. And uh, right. he's Turin's going to hear you like talking about creating defenses for this place. And, and he's going to say, well, we're not going to stay here long. We're not exactly nomadic, but... You know, being who we are, we have to... You could burn down all the resources and then run away. the fuck are you talking about? That's what the, That's how fucking Napoleon got fucked over. Are you talking about burning talking down about this, burning camp? this camp? Yeah, that, and like all the resources around it. And then leaving. Why? They're I don't think us. we're being chased the, by the an theory? army in the middle of winter. Yeah, that... that it was really in the muddy season, the by the way. It was, it's true. It was in like um, fucking May, I think. They haven't been discovered. No need to call attention to themselves at the fire. But if they're semi-nomadic, then, well, that, I guess, isn't a need for them. So Turin's going to explain. Uh, he's going to say that we don't stay in one place too long. We we move around being who we are. We People get suspicious and, well, they don't like us hanging outside of our town and not interacting with them. Of course. Of course. But maybe, you know, keep the prophet's pot a little cleaner in the future. He likes to be left alone. No. He could get sick. Maybe the smell helps him sneak things. Well, toxic gases might do that, yes. That's what's causing him to uh, hallucinate. Yeah. I'm sure he can uh, see his own path. All right. In any event, let's get some rest. We can head into Asheville, Ashfell in the morning. Not Asheville. Kevin's not that uh, uh, self-centered. Not that um, And we can uh, head into Ashfell so that Juliet can do her shopping. And uh, then we can head over to Mount Smolder to start planning. All right. So uh, Turin's going to nod to you and, and say that uh, him and uh, his... Uh, wife are going to retire to their tent and uh, says uh, he'll uh, see you in the morning so is everybody settling down for the night yep uh, make sure to keep Abbott uh, <laughs> I'm going to go see oh, if yeah. I can find Abbott somebody with some booze I'm just going to be right next to me <laughs> um, give me a investigation check uh, Adel alright 
Why was Adel doing an investigation check? I didn't catch what he said. I'm looking for somebody with some booze. Ah. 13. So the best you're going to be able to find is some uh, fermented uh, milk. Nice. Nice. I'm just going to ask around then. Isn't that yogurt? Uh, that's that's what you did. And oh. The best you could I find was like some fermented milk. All right. Cool. <sighs> I guess I'll just fucking find somebody who looks angry. Uh, why? Oh, I'm bored. Let's fight somebody. I, I think that would be unwise. These are our allies. I mean, yeah. We, we'll, we'll, we'll get in a fight soon enough. You should, I'll, uh, save I'll, just your do, I'll do a defense. duel. It'll be fine. It'll be perfectly legal. Or you could go to sleep. Sleep <laughs> <laughs> to sleep. Sleep more. These are our allies. Save your strength for the incredibly strong enemies we'll be facing in a few days' time. Remember? Like, hey, I'm uh, sure they're pushovers. Half orcs. That went pretty well. So, Surprisingly, uh, yes. Are you looking for a fight? Yeah, let's look for a fight. Okay. So, um, you're like looking around uh, this camp, like trying to fight. Are you trying to pick a fight or are you asking someone to spar with you? I'll ask for somebody to spar with me. Okay. You're, uh, you're not finding, you know, anybody that wants to spar with you because it's getting late and uh, they're full of dragon meat. Um, but there Fuck it, is I'll just start uh, picking fights. Then intimidation check. There's one twelve-year-old kid that says he'll spar with you. Okay, let's fucking wreck him. Why do you ass- assume it's a him? I don't really Damn. care. Yeah, it's actually a girl. Who gives a shit? We're all just fucking little dots on a giant rock. Okay, so. Uh, Roll me a uh, roll me an attack. Are we not gonna do initiative or anything? Uh, you're you're gonna this this you're is the comp. The fuck out of a twelve year old kid. What do you want? He, what do you mean? Yeah, it's a, it's a twelve year old kid with one hit point. All right, I'm gonna murder him. <laughs> Please don't. Why? Only allies in the region. Roll Hello? an attack. Early. Well, bam. 12. Okay, that's going to hit. And you uh, knock this uh, 12-year-old girl unconscious. Hell yeah. Fucking Cosby'd. <laughs> and uh, you're going to look around, and there's probably 12 like people, men and women, you know, just looking very disappointed. And two of them are going to pick this uh, girl up and take her back to a tent. Does anyone else want to fight? They all just turn their backs to you and walk towards their tent. I pretend like I don't know. Fucking pussies. You go to sleep. This place is boring. And stop drawing on the map. There's nothing. Alright, fine. I go to sleep, I guess. Um, so as everybody lays down for the night, uh, Shane dropped down into the secret channel. Yep. Here again. All right. Give me a wisdom save. Five. Okay. So uh, you are going to have the same dream that you've been having. Uh, You're back in the cabin. Um, The beautiful woman's there. You are seeing her stab a baby uh, with this knife that you have given her. And um, 
she is going to hand back uh, the knife to you, and you are just enraptured with this woman. You can hear the knife whispering to you in the dream, and then you are going to wake up. When you wake up, you are you bolt upright in your blankets, and you look down, and you've got that knife in your hand. And I'm going to need you to give me a Christmas save. Natural 20. All right. So uh, you are hearing that same whisper you heard in the dream in the back of your head, but it uh, fades fairly quickly. But uh, you don't know how the knife got to your hand. You thought it was in your uh, pack with the rest of the stuff that you've uh, got. Easy enough. All right. We're back. Are we going to have to kill Alexander now? Um, you're all sleeping around each other, so I'm going to need everybody get to give me a perception check. Okay. Sure. Passive 16. 19. Well done. All right. So, um, Talia and, uh, Alinidas are going to hear Alexander, like, whimper and scream. So, Adel also got a 19. Right. I said Talia and Adel. Did you? Did I? No, you said Talia and Alunidas. Oh, no. No, it was. Uh, I'm sorry. It was Talia and Adel. You are going to wake up um, from the sounds of Alexander whimpering from a bad dream and then a scream. And then you look over and he is sitting bolt upright in his blankets, sweating and panting with uh, a fat dagger in his hand. I put on all my armor and then poke him. I'm yeah, simply going to say, are you okay? Alexander's awake. You guys are awake. You, you're you seeing him. He's screamed, he's sweating, and he's got this dagger in his hand. Sounds like a night terror with a knife. And Talia, what did you just say? Uh, I'm going to I'm gonna say, um, Alexander, are you okay? Yeah, I guess. Did one of you are guys you put sure? this knife in my hand? No. No, we Insight check. It. I'm going to perform an insight check. Okay. What are you trying Nat to... Nat 20! Alright, what are you trying to glean? I'm trying to see if it actually is him. Yeah, um, well, with the 20, you could tell that uh, it's him. I mean, obviously, uh, he's not an imposter or anything. You can tell that uh, he's kind of shaken, and he's sweating profusely. I guess you, it, it kind of seems like he's trying to play it off uh, like uh, nothing's wrong. Hey, bruh, what's wrong? <laughs> Nothing, just a bad dream. Mm, that seemed like more than a bad dream. Does Alexander not remember any of these dreams while he's awake? Because that would uh, explain whether or not he can even answer. Oh, yeah, he's he's aware of his dreams. He remembers them. Yeah, I mean, it's just a weird dream. Just because I have a weird knife in my hand doesn't mean that the dream has anything to do with it. Give me that knife. Does, does Alexander, the character, believe that? that? Yeah, I mean, he's just having really bad dreams. Although, like, stuff's getting kind of weird, and he might be, like, drawing onto something. He hasn't really found anything magically related to it. Like whenever he was doing his studies in the library, I don't think he has any. Re- Although it's like a recurring nightmare and stuff, I don't think he has any indication that it's uh, something affecting him in the outward side. Um, 
Give me a wisdom check. Let's go. 18 on wisdom. Okay, so with an 18 on wisdom, you're kind of thinking that may not be true. <laughs> uh, because there's some weird things that have been going on with this knife. Like the fact that it's kind of connected to the dream that you've had. And that time you were in combat with the ghost. And for some reason, it just appeared in your hand. And I uh, had shot, I uh, had pushed the ghost out of your mind when it tried to possess you. Right. Is Alexander just infected with toxic masculinity? He's not willing to ask for help. Is that what's going on here? <laughs> Do you need a hug? Yeah. Do you hand me the knife or? Yeah, if you want the knife. Yeah, I'd be like, I just don't want you to stab me in the middle of the night, dude. Okay, so. Put the knife up in uh, its sheath and then throw it, uh, like, at the furthest corner of the tent. So, uh, Alexander, um, are you handing the knife to uh, Adel? I'm going to attempt to. Okay, give me a charisma check. 24. Okay, um, so you hand the knife to Adel, and there's kind of like this reservation about giving him the knife... Adel reaches for the knife and grabs it and you're kind of giving him a little bit of resistance like you're not wanting to give it to him but eventually you let you let go of it so uh Adel what are you doing with the knife I uh I put it up in a bag and then just go back to sleep okay so uh is everybody going back to sleep yeah it looks that way I'm going to try so everybody's going to go back to sleep and you, you don't have to set watches because they've got guards on this camp you all wake up the next morning and you're going to hear a commotion in the camp like uh, some uh, voices grumbling and somebody shouting I guess everybody's going to uh, g- uh, get out of your blankets and gather your things to see what's going on yep yep okay. you're gathering your things and uh Alexander, you're going to notice that uh, the knife's back in your sheath. Yeah. All right. So uh, you kind of think that's strange, but uh, it's early morning and the sun's just begun to creep uh, into this glow in the distance. And uh, everybody give me a perception check. Uh, What kind of check again? 15. Perception. Perception. 16. Passive. Nat 1. Pair of Nat 1s. Literally the worst possible role. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. So, uh, Alunidas, um, you're going to see that a crowd is gathered near the entrance of this camp. And there's uh, appears to be a group of a dozen men on horses dressed in steel plate. Uh, in front of this crowd of people um, you can barely see like uh, their heads and their plumes uh, above the, the heads of the crowd um, they're flying a black banner with a red volcano in the center and many of these uh, are carrying lances um, because you can see them poking up above the crowd um, and you're going to see some others that have crossbows that are loaded and drawn and one huge man with a fiery red beard and a sword at his back appears to be uh, um, like playing with a whip. Are these humans half orcs? 
Um, you really can't see. Well, we see the guy with the red beard, right? Yeah, Lunadas would be able to see that, but uh, <laughs> Juliet wouldn't. So can uh, Lunadas tell uh, if that guy's human or not? I don't know. Um, you're seeing all kinds of races here. You're seeing some dragonborn. You're seeing some humans. You're seeing some half elves. You're seeing some dwarves. Hmm, it's quite a mixed crowd. Perhaps we should go see what's going on. Okay, are you working your way into the crowd? Um, sure. Yes. In front of this group of riders, you're going to see a human uh, with dark skin and a long dark mustache. Uh, he has a tall white plume coming out of the top of his helm, and he's holding a long lance at his side that's pointed up to the sky. He has a white slim banner blowing in the wind tied to the still point of the lance. And the man clears his throat in a pompous tone says, I am Captain Phineas Roch, Knight Protector of Ashfell. By order of the Queen Hera of Ashfell, all the Denzians of this camp are hereby under arrest for the crimes of treason against civilization murder, espionage, and destruction of property. You will come with us now with what you have on your backs to the capital. You will all receive trials where your guilt or innocence will be determined by the wise judges of the Hall of Justice. Your possessions and livestock are forfeit to the town of South Bend under which your land is in jurisdiction. Children under the age of six will be exempt from trial and will become wards of the kingdom should both your parents be convicted of any of these crimes. You will be treated with respect and you will be unharmed if you comply. If you resist, we are authorized to kill you. If you run, we will kill you. Fall into a single line now without delay. And I think that's probably a good place to end it. We're going to have to kill people. Lightning bolt! Lightning bolt! It's going to take a while. People are going to get hurt. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Dungeons & Debacles podcast. If I could ask a halfling-sized favor, give us a five-star rating and review on iTunes. It's the best way to support us. New episodes come out every Monday, so make sure to check your podcast app. Do you have an idea to make the podcast better? Tell us about it on Twitter or Facebook. You can also check out our website to see all the maps, lore, and characters at DungeonsAndDebaclesPodcast.com. And now a word from our fantasy sponsor. Fantasy Accountants, you hack and slash, we do the math with Fantasy Accountants. Adventuring is hard work. As you're entering the lair of a dragon... You can't afford to be spending a second thought about whether your taxes are paid up on your keep or if your monthly payment on your horse has been taken care of. I'm Terrell Silversmith of Silversmith, Silversmith, and Stonegut, certified fantasy accountants, and we can take the grudgery of paying your taxes and bills off your mind. For a modest fee, we can make sure your mundane financial responsibilities are taken care of so you can concentrate on what really matters saving villages and slaying monsters. We also take care of wills and estates if one of your party members should happen to fall. We can also handle insurance claims for accidental death and dismemberment. Give yourself peace of mind knowing that trade professionals have your back. Silversmith, Silversmith, and Stoga can handle all your financial needs. Fantasy accountants, you hack and slash, we do the math with fantasy 
Well, you know, it's not like he's going to save anyone from a well, but. <laughs> For all you younger listeners out there, um, there was an old joke, uh, what we used to call uh, memes, about a dog named Lassie <laughs> who was on a 1950s to 1960s television show. And that used to be an old joke where they'd be like, what? Someone's in a well. Timmy's in a well. And then Lassie would like run to the well and show them where Timmy, the little boy, Lassie's owner, uh, was in a well. So that's where that joke come from. Yeah. Timmy was always getting into some shit or other. Yeah. And the best jokes are the ones you have to explain. Exactly. Which, and then after the explanation becomes not funny anymore, but in situations where they do understand the context is funny. Yeah, but I think the explanation itself is what becomes funny. Well, especially if you keep it going. The longer you take, the funnier it becomes. Yeah, because, you know, in season two, episode 10. Uh, this only gets better. <laughs> <laughs> I'll show you. Go to my Patreon page and support blah, blah, blah. I have a Kickstarter about the shit globe. <laughs> I don't think I want to support that. <laughs> Hi, I'm Tom. And with all your help giving us $50,000, we need more. Because <laughs> I'm starting a new innovative <laughs> product called the Shit Stain. I don't think I need to buy one of those. <laughs> I think that's a D- DIY project. Don't worry. It's it's fe- it's it's <laughs> it's FDA approved. The Federal Dookie Association. <laughs> yeah, you just can't make any claims on it or the FDA actually will come after you. Shh. It's going to delete. Why would it delete us? Fucking Welcome stop, back, Oliver. Oliver. <laughs> <Fucking> stop. <laughs> Solid return. All right, now on to the game. I say blasphemy. Um, that's what I say. That's blasphemous, and I think you should be hanged at the stake. Why would you hang someone at stake? I don't know. Why would you rape a church? <laughs> so let's stay away from that kind of stuff. What? In any event. Hold on just a second. For some reason, I said that, and my Google Assistant came on. <laughs> <laughs> it's like... You're you're trying to uh, destroy a civilization by pitting two tribes against each other. Do you need any help with that? <laughs> All right. Um, Would so, you like me to schedule a drone strike? <laughs> <laughs> All right. For those uh, for those that are listening in on this conversation, that was a joke. <laughs> <laughs> Shows how much you know. And you know, you don't have to fight next week. You can always try to talk your way out. Yes. If you've can. got a hammer, it doesn't mean everything's a nail. I mean, true, but I want to shove a lightning bolt through this guy's chest. I don't like him. I don't like the cut of your jib. He does Look. sound like a pompous asshole. He's just doing his job. Pompously. And Talia could always uh, cast fog or something to blind them so that everyone can run away or something. 
Yeah, there's probably going to be a large potential for collateral damage. I've got the map set up for this thing. And uh, humans are going to be rough terrain. <laughs> the music you heard on this episode was Evening of Chaos, Temple of the Mains, Tempting Secrets, Serpentine Trek, The Parting, At Rest, Enchanted Journey, Dark Standoff, Evil March, Giant Worm, and Anguish by Kevin McLeod and Incompetech.com. License under Creative Commons by Attribution 3.0 License. CreativeCommons.org slash licenses slash buy slash 3.0.